0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Well, I'm in Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. There's two parts of that, right? There's Rob Black. That's me. Me, 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 me. Glorious me. And the other part your money i have a friend tony mendez bay area hi hi it's tony i've got a friend who is buying a car this weekend um third car in the last five years okay uh, so i've known four cars in six years person goes for cars right it's a lot of cars. A lot of cars. And the point I bring up here is is that um, it's another car. And she went to CarMax yesterday. My sister used to work at CarMax when she was in college, which is... My sister did this thing where she didn't tell people she had jobs. And she, <laughs> she did things where she bought a house and she never told people. Which is weird, because she's got four or five older brothers that could have helped her, but she didn't... I don't know, stinking help, uh, is the message she was sending. But, so, anyway, I know... This person's buying a car used to your certified, which is better. Um, last car she got was on the internet, and it lasted 25,000 miles. But I know a person's mother who's getting a car who works at like Trader Joe's. I know another person who is 65, retired without a lot of money, getting in a car. Because the husband is on his third wife, and instead of giving her a trust or a will or a nice nest egg, it's like, here, here's an Audi, or kia or something like that and then um then someone who i work with is getting a new car everyone's getting new cars and you know what i instantly think of right you're gonna work till the day you die that car is a depreciating asset. And if you're on your fourth car in Mom, six years, I you've got a
2: car issue. Yeah, I instantly think that. I need to stay away from you, otherwise I might need to get a new car. Everybody that you know. That's it, right. It, it, <laughs> um, it is, watch it is out. contagious. Watch
1: out if one of my friends get pre- uh, gets
2: pregnant or, <laughs> yeah, or gets married, right? Yeah, stay away from Rob. Um, it, it is contagious. Uh, you know, looking at other people get cars and then you get a car and they, they, they make it easy. It's definitely not like getting a home loan. Um, I recently bought a new, well, two and a half years ago, and you know, you you kind of feel that they're eyeballing you a little bit, like why are you looking at this forty thousand dollar car, and da, 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 and then all of a sudden they run your credit and they're like, oh, let me take you in, you know, it, they treat you totally different. But once the, once you figure out you qualify, like, and it's all about credit, it has yeah. nothing to do with income. You can make up your income practically. Okay. Um, you buy anything you want as long as you have you know the down payment. They, it's totally different. Um, so that's why that's why the car business is can can do what they do. Yeah. And I think that's how they have to survive. The, the the housing industry is totally different.
1: So with with her and people come to me with budgets and people come to me with questions. Uh, she's like, it's only one hundred and eight dollars. And then she's like, oh, no, that's a paycheck because she did it through her credit union. so it's two hundred and sixteen dollars a paycheck. And she got a six year. Uh, she got like a four year loan on a car that died after two and a half three. So she's we went to CarMax, CarMax is gonna give her three thousand, she's come up six hundred dollars short, which isn't the most horrific thing, but once again, my last car didn't have a car payment for like seven out of out of the ten years that I had it. Yeah. You know? Um no car payment equals, you know, Money Town, it equals um Funky Town. There was something somebody... a little funky town
2: would be appropriate for Rob Black <laughs> here. Yeah, seven ten years in in a car can get kind of funky. There's no doubt about it. Right. Um, something that, that I was taught many years ago when I was young. I it, can't wait to hear this. Was that when you? <laughs> Go ahead, keep talking. Don't dance. This
1: is not a dance
2: show. When when you pay off your car, you keep making those payments, but, this yeah. time, but you keep making it to yourself. That right. way, you, you you don't have that payment shock when you do have to buy another car. And, and, and at least save that money maybe for a down payment for a new car or repairs. That's a, the... Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. I am talking talk about, about it. it. Was this the last great disco song? Could have been. Yeah. About, talk about, talk we could play this all day long. I get a feeling that like, the Killers just are trying to revive disco a little bit okay we're stay on topic
1: focus go eat go eat your riddle in okay what are you talking
2: about food
1: um so (laughs) yes 200 dollars a month i mean that's a small car payment for a lot of people um yeah you know chad burton says and i sometimes i hate chad burton because he is so full of hot air like literally he could power like the state of california (laughs) with his uh vacuous thoughts on if your car payment's more than your 401k contribution, you're doing something wrong. I love Chad Burton. Behave but th-
2: that's a lot of hot air. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I, I can tell you, that if, if I had to do a, uh, an hour commute every day, I would spend money on a on a car that was a nice car. Okay. Something that was comfortable, that I like, had all the amenities, the Bluetooth, the maps, the everything. Uh, um, otherwise, I, I, I would probably go crazy. I'm fine with the Chrysler Reliant. A Chrysler K car. A good, reliable car from
1: the 80s from Lee Iacocca. <laughs> um, as long as it's got, you know, pleather, I'm, pleather. I don't need real leather. Pleather's fine with me. As long as I don't have a car payment. And now, like, all the women out there who have like, these dreams that, One day my prince will come. They're all like, oh. They're all bummed and, and their their reality is shattered because <laughs> I will... You can have a nice car. I'm fine with that. Sugar Booger can have a nice car. But for me, I'd rather have no car payment. So... Um, I'd rather wear clothes. Like, I've got this 21st Amendment uh, jersey on now that I've had for probably three years. Not jersey. I don't wear jerseys. The real men don't wear jerseys. If your man wears jerseys, you need to, re- to remove him from your life. If he's wearing a Brady jersey or 49ers Jerry Rice jersey, he needs to go. Do you own any George, jerseys? Um, I own a there's hockey a, jersey. There's a correct answer, and the answer is no. <laughs> Let's ask again. Do you own any jerseys? Because I don't People wear jerseys are silly. No. There you go hundred dollars to buy a jersey of a team that you've never played for the last sports team you played for you ended up crying you were in so much pain you talked about your back being strained and such real men don't well real men wear jerseys who play on teams but you know what i'm saying, <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you have a hoodie a hoodie Thank that's you. right Jack. uh it's functional so i'm i'm functional with a lot of things so, you know what i do what i do so hoodie's better than a jersey you know what i do splurge on vacations yeah but when I'm on the vacation I pull out my app and I go, how much am I worth? I'm like, ooh, no car payment. Kind of thing. Makes the
2: vacations a little bit easier. Makes that really, you know, a twenty dollar pina colada a little bit easier. You know, twenty dollar pina colada is not the bad one. It's when you
1: go to a nice hotel. Like what I like to do is I like to do like five days at a condo and like four days at a resort kind of thing. That's my thing. So the condo Airbnb is fine, you get to cook your own meals, you save some money there. You don't have to eat a $45 steak, but when you're at the pool of a resort and kids are hungry and they're peanut butter and jelly or something like that, you try to stay away from just all the crap, and peanut butter and jelly's crap, but you know, fried fish, fried chicken, all crap, french fries, crap, 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 crap. Peanut butter and jelly, $15. Mm. I'll take the $20 pina colada every freaking bragging <laughs> day over
2: $15 PB&J. I think the last time I saw something like that was an all you can eat. And you f- you feel compelled to keep eating so, the, to get your money's worth. Yeah, I'm not an all you can eat kind of guy. Well, I mean, you're eating a lot of fruit
1: and a lot of, you know, it's granola. like Ralph it the comedian Ralphie May, when he goes into Chinese, all you can eat, he goes, you go now. You no, know, eat here. When he does it, it's funnier than when I do it. It's what I do, and I sound terribly racist. Um, but yeah, I'm not an all-you-can-eat oh, kind of guy. How about the $20 all-you-can-drink pina colada? Let's do that. You know, I went and saw, and this was probably about two years ago, it was, um, was at a Mexican restaurant, which wasn't really a Mexican restaurant. It's owned by the group called Town. I, they had a Sunday brunch, and these 20-somethings, they were probably 28-somethings, they were getting all-you-can-drink uh, mimosas. Mm. And one girl, she's ordering like, another one. She goes, Brah! <laughs> and just vomits. <laughs> And she finishes her order in perfect keel. It was projectile. It was nasty. Uh, Car payments equals no retirement. Catch
0: Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings
2: from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7.
1: The first segment I talked a little bit about breaking up big tech and Lord knows I'm not an attorney or anything along those lines. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that at one point in time, Microsoft was on cruise control in the 1990s. And owning Microsoft made you money hand over fest because every operating system that was sold on computers was basically Microsoft. And then every office product was basically Microsoft. And they got a little bit cocky with the, we also want every browser open to be Microsoft. And Netscape said, hey, 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 you got to open this up to competition if you own the operating system. And people kind of believe and kind of agreed. So in the end, uh, office is a lot cheaper today because of it. Operating systems are a lot cheaper today because of competition. Um, so it's, it's out there. Just work with it. Hot and sexy stocks. I've been doing stock talk now. Um, for a large part of my radio and television career, I've kind of reintroduced uh, Stock Talk 2.0. And it's funny to watch how things have changed because uh, now we're talking, you know, we went from Web 1.0 to Web 2.0. And Web 1.0 was companies like Network Solutions that had basically a monopoly on setting up domain names. And they didn't know how to stop it, the government. They didn't know how to stop it, so they kept extending these contracts to let them do it, let them do it, let them do it. And finally, you know, the competition goes, this isn't fair. You know, to get robblack.com or robblackshow, he has to pay X amount of dollars a year, and he can't go anywhere else to basically have someone key it into a computer. I know, I know, it's more complicated than that. Please, nerds, do not drop me emails. I'm just throwing it out there. So now I'm talking from network solutions and, like, Web 1.0 of having a a brochure online to more like PayPal and Venmo and growth on e-commerce and you know making that ever so easier. So that's out there as far as ideas go. Um, there's no easy fix out there for the mushrooming debt that is hitting the U.S. government, and this is probably one area that I'm turning a blind eye to. And it's been something that's hung over me my whole entire investing life and my whole entire life. Do you remember that television commercial when you were a child that had an American Indian, and uh, as you pan out on him, you see a big tear in his eye, a huge tear. And you're like, what's making him cry? And they might be playing, and this just might be a faulty memory in my head. This land is your land, this land is my land. They weren't playing that, but that's what's in playing in my head. And uh, as they pan out again, you see that he's crying because of the huge amount of waste material being built up, trash in the world. And uh, I remember thinking kind of the same exact way, but with debt. So there's very little inflation right now. It's tame. That's a good thing. Because when we start taking a look at our debt levels, they're at what always feels like dangerously high levels. So, when inflation kicks up, we may be putting ourselves in a situation where paying off our debt is more expensive. Same thing with your mortgage. When your mortgage is at five percent, it's more expensive than paying off a mortgage at four percent, if it's the same value of the home. Same thing with inflation. So, if your debt is you know a thousand dollars, and the cost of the dollar weakens because of inflationary numbers scale higher, it. it you're putting more of your money or less of your money in that case into paying off your debt. So sorting debt can be a big worry out there. And, you know, the U.S. is often pointing out that debt is denomin- denominated in dollars and the Fed has the ability to print said dollars. So there won't be any default on debts, but how much will we weaken the debt in the future? And how much will we weaken the dollar in the process of, of managing our debt? So the debt nyers are quite right? in the sense that debt's not a problem because we'll just print money. But that'll cause inflation, in theory. And the bigger the debt gets, the more money you have to print. The more money you have to print, the less value the dollars in your hand are. So for politicians, a big problem is, you know, um, looking at the crisis of populations. One of the reasons we have immigration in the United States that was so open was because millennials and Generation Xers aren't having enough babies to pay the bills for the social uh, for the social security benefits, the healthcare benefits for baby boomers as they retire. So come on in, illegal worker. Come on in, worker. Come on in, illegal worker, illegal worker, worker, worker. Here's another visa. Here's another illegal. Um, if you're creating jobs and you're creating you know economic traction for able-bodied workers, you're helping secure you know. The business model that pays for uh, our social programs, our entitlements. So by the year 2030, which isn't that far away, you know, self-driving cars are 2020, they say. Uh, but by the year 2030, yearly deficits of 1.5 trillion plus will become the norm. Um, and Greenspan is referring Alan Greenspan, former uh, head of the Federal Reserve. He's referring to it as the tsunami of soaring cost that will hit the federal budget. 2030. And, you know, we've seen presidents like George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump talk about, you know, I, I need to spend money. I need to spend money. I need to spend money. And we're not getting that surplus of money to pay down our, our trillions of dollars of debt. And it's going to be a problem, right? Um, it won't be what you think it is because, like I said, we're not going to fail on the debt. We'll create more inflation by printing more dollars. But there's also going to be other problems that arise. 40% of our debt right now is being held by foreigners, and they're likely at some point in time to perceive you know, our bigger and swelling debt as we're going to sell off some of these bonds and see you later, alligator. You go finance your own debt. Probably the only financial radio show that uses the phrase see you later, alligator, when referring to bond obligations. Um, but the only way we'll ever get our budget under control is to get our government under control. You can tax the bejesus out of rich people. You can tax the bejesus out of corporations, and it ain't going to be enough. It's our government. So the Bureau of Economic Analysis says, you know, the government's vast holdings in non-defense equipment and structures, including national parks, um, roads. Maybe we have to start selling those off. So I know you're saying, so we're going to go into Yellowstone and this Yellowstone National Park sponsored by Smucker's Jelly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we should do naming rights sooner than later. I think we should uh, privatize a lot of our roads and let you know a private company come in and tax them and set up toll gates if they have to. That's what they have to do. There's federally owned land for which no value has been estimated. The feds own approximately 640 million acres, staggering 28% of the total number of acres in 50 states. So we have stuff, but we put you know, the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve on it. Where if we sell that, we're going to piss off a lot of people. A lot to think about, right? But a lot to work with, too. I'm Rob Black, money investing more. Find me online at Rob Black show. Code to get into seminars for free, Radio 25. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Oh, snap. So one of the things to become a better investor is to learn some behavioral issues about yourself. And do you remember the great financial crisis in 2008 to 2010-ish? It was precipitated by a real estate market that was wrong, lending way too much money to way too many people without qualifications and without time horizons and without understanding of how much risk there were. The Great Financial Crisis shook a lot of trees, not family trees, not orange trees, but trees, and I don't know what type of trees we're talking about. Um, A lot of economists, a lot of investors, a lot of traders, all kind of, you know, had to question themselves. And if you can't come up with a list of 10 things or five things that you learned from the Great Recession, you know, that's kind of odd. Oh, for the record, I recently saw that Caitlyn Jenner might run for Senate, The first thought that I had was, boy, um, the Republicans were looking kind of bad because Trump is so unfavorable. But a lot of people think that Caitlyn Jenner won the election for Trump because it kind of got the middle part of America furious that here's a woman with a TV show and, you know, cameras are pointing on her and this is what America is now. Ain't that America... You and me. And people in Iowa are like, that ain't me. I'm going to go vote. Um, which is interesting because Caitlin Jenner says she's fiscally a Republican. And she goes, the LGBT issues that I would want to educate the world on are Democratic. But she goes, I'd probably rather approach this thing from being a Republican. That's my Caitlin Jenner impression. Thank you very much. Um, but anyway, that's kind of interesting because we're starting to head towards an election. But anyway, I want to talk about 15 things roughly, um, that we've learned from the financial crisis and the aftermath. And again, I don't know, do you look at yourself as an investor, a trader, an economist? I used to know a guy named Roger Arnold who said he was an economist, what he really was, he had no training in the economy. What he really was, was a real estate agent, uh, a mortgage guy, which I found interesting. Um, I identify myself as an investor and kind of a market studier. I'll, I'll do a trade if it falls in my lap, but it's not what I'm looking for. So one thing that I learned was potential growth in developed economies is lower than it was before the Great Financial Crisis, and policies can't do a lot about that. Um, whatever your policy inclinations are, as much as we want that to you know be the case, um. Developed economies, um, the United States, a lot of Europe, uh, China, um, we tried to do our best to kind of like say, let's, let's throw down a trillion dollars on infrastructure, let's throw down you know, cash for clunkers, let's do this, let's do that. And none of it really caught on as far as you know, getting us back to 3% growth versus that 2% GDP growth. The interest rate sensitivity is another thing that I learned of economic activity, is far less than what was believed to be the case. Printing money can cause inflation, which is a lesson the Federal Reserve has taught us, but doesn't always. And there's something called a money supply, and I'm not going to bore you with it. But when you print money, it can cause inflation because you're basically lowering the cost of money. There's more of it supply and demand. Asking what are the conditions under which it is likely to um, and if those conditions are obtained is the smart question. So a lot of people saw the Federal Reserve lower interest rates, lower interest rates, lower interest rates. Then they started printing money and buying our own debt. And that lowered interest rates, lower interest rates, lowered interest rates. Lower interest rates. Um, and you would have thought the 30-year and the 10-year would have started going in some slightly different directions, but that wasn't the case. There was just a market that was smarter than the Federal Reserve, Another idea that you should have learned was the economic channel of monetary policy and financial channel of monetary policy have to be thought through jointly and separately and often have very different requirements and, you know, uh, equilibrating dynamics. Our government and what they say, you know, okay, let's cut taxes and throw that tax money. People will be smart enough to go stimulate the economy. So that's when you start getting into the idea of um, the fiscal policies that our government comes up with. And the monetary policy, where you lower the cost of money, it doesn't stimulate everyone. A lot of people could look at the data and say that um, African Americans in the United States, since the Great Recession, haven't had as many opportunities as whites and Latinos in America. Um, Another big lesson that I learned was oil matters less. Um, A lot of people see the price of oil at 30 as, woe is me, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And they see oil at 150, like everybody's booming. Every economy is rocking and rolling. People are dying to get their money on oil or their hands on oil. So it didn't help the consumer as much as forecast when oil prices fell and didn't hurt GDP as much as people had suggested it would. Oil intensity, the, the big part of how it plays in GDP or how it plays into the consumption. Uh, Area of the consumer is far lower than a lot of people observed consciously and unconsciously that they had anchored on it. Um, I recently saw a report out on people in cities are driving more and people in rural areas are driving less. You're like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the overall commodity intensity of output has declined significantly and will continue to do so. And it's some sense, the, the very definition of technological advancement. We used to look at the price of commodities and as they went higher, We assumed correctly that the economies were working harder and were expanding faster. But that kind of disentangled in the recent recession. The recent recession is 2008, so we're pretty long into uh, growth. Wage inflation per increment of GDP has been systemically lower than thought. And there's a lot of transitory shocks is a lesson we learned And we learned it through the headlines of uh, Occupy Wall Street. And I could, you know, as a parent, you could look at inflation and go, this bugs me a lot that there's not a lot of wage inflation because in the last 15 years, I built a wonderful career. But will that ability to build a wonderful career or climb the corporate ladder be there for children? And I believe the children are our future. Um there's some thought there, you know, it's food for thought, right? Hopefully. Um, and hopefully you get a little worried by it and hopefully you want to take a little bit better care of your kid. I've got a boss. I work in radio and television. I work at channel four, uh, television in Corona, uh, in San Francisco. And also I work in radio. And one of the things that I could tell you is that one of my bosses is like, you know, I got my son through high school and now he's on his own. I'm like, I almost think that's child abuse. And it's not, but every parent looks at things differently, right? But I don't think his kids better I don't think children today are gonna to be better positioned than children of the last generation or the generation before it. Um, I think robots are going to really and automation and kiosks. I look at a kiosk as a robot, just so you know. I don't look at a roomba as a robot. Do you, know, you ever have a roomba? A roomba, one of those little uh house vacuuming things, it doesn't know what dog poop is, so it runs over it. You're coming home to a huge mess, just so you know. So emerging markets have structurally changed, I think, for the better. That's another thing that I've learned. Um, When things are going great in the United States, I'm more inclined to look to emerging markets. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen
2: to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app.
0: I got
1: To getting you to retirement, I tried to take a different approach. Some months are better than others, some quarters are better than others, some years are better than others on the show. The California dream is brutally tough to afford, and I don't want to work till the day I die just to afford the California dream. Owning a home is great, love it. It's stressful, you don't have to have it. Property taxes are high. Or you can rent and get yourself caught in a situation where every five to ten years, the rules seem to change a bit. You get less for more. And a couple of years later than that, you get maybe more roommates for more money. Or, you know, it's just the rules keep changing. It's a ton for one person to play. pay. It's a ton for most people in the Bay Area to pay. I feel like it shouldn't be so insane, but it is. You look around and you see the Bay Area economy is kind of booming. But, and this is where you get the butt, if you're under 40 or a renter, chances are high that you don't travel or get to eat out much or you're going to be cutting back on groceries because it's expensive to live here. A five-county poll conducted for the Silicon Valley Leadership Group found that one-third of Bay Area apartment returns and one-quarter of residents in their 20s and 30s are struggling to afford their housing. I think it's a higher number. And I think it would be a way higher number if you backed out people over the age of 50. Um, so on one hand, the economy is booming. Housing bo- is booming. But if you're under 40 and you don't own, it's, it's not a dream, it's a nightmare. So people under 40 are three times as likely to report that they slashed their other expenses a great deal to cover their housing costs. That's not exactly the dream, is it? You don't want the housing market to be a hardship. Older renters, especially those on fixed incomes, often have a trickier time absorbing costs because sometimes they're retired and they're living off 3000 a month. And when the rent goes from 1000 to $1,100, 1200 $1,300, they are still living off that 3000 of millennials dream of home ownership, but it would take the average millennial with college debt about 27 years to save up for down payment in the Bay area. So is it a dream or is it a nightmare or is it a, a wrench in our life? You're seeing areas like Sacramento continue to grow because people are living, moving there where it's cheaper. So, Compared to decades ago, housing changes, right? I think it changes every five to 10 years pretty aggressively. And we live in a funny place right now where if you have a home and you have a mortgage in the last five years, 10 years, you probably have that mortgage under three and a half, four percent 4%. You're probably likely to say, well, I'm going to go get a new home. And you're like, wait, 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 rates are four and a half, five percent now? That could happen. Ah, coffee. It does a it does a soul good. Would you like some coffee? I would like some coffee. In the end, a home is a home and I want you to live and respect it and treat it well and weatherproof it. Why buy something worth six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars if you're just gonna let the rain and the water damage it? Uh, enjoy your job, enjoy your life. Get some life lived. That's the thing that is probably bugs me the most about the millennials in the peninsula and the Bay Area is you have to work so hard to cover your housing costs that you can drive by Chrissy Field on a Saturday where it's beautiful and sunny and no one's out there. And you're like, how is this possible? We, ha- we live in the Bay Area where we are minutes from beaches left and right of us and, and, and parks and recreational areas and, and museums. And, and you're like, where is everyone? Oh, they're working. God
0: to be kidding me
1: they're working so anyway housing don't let it drag you down don't let it be the super negative don't let it be the monkey on your back so to speak 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air i saw someone i saw a review of a product called i want to call it dishes egg thing and basically it, it it lets you fill it with water to various levels and it'll boil your eggs for you so that they're either soft boiled hard boiled or warm boiled and you can also somehow put on a setting so it does scrambled eggs and waffles, not waffles, but uh, omelets. And uh, I saw it, I was like, I was reading it and it's like this is one of the best reviewed things ever on Amazon and like that's where Amazon's gonna kill Google. Just cause I, I don't know if I was reading an advertisement or not, but I was fascinated. I'm like, people want to buy one device for their kitchen. That will do nothing but hard boiled eggs. And there's things called pots and pans that you can do, pots that you can do hard boiled eggs in. But sure enough, I go to Amazon and I see the reviews and I'm like, $19, do I want it? I'm like, no, no, no. Minimalism, minimalism, minimalism. Save the $19, put it in retirement. Anyhow, if you have the dish thing, drop me an email, Robin Roblox Show. Uh, I found it funny that there is a product to boil eggs that you can put in your kitchen. I know. It's a uh, first world kind of problem, right? I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. com.